listening to The Watchers, the show where two women from opposite ends of New Jersey watch movies and TV about the mad woman in the attic. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. We do. Yes, that is our vibe. I'm Andrea. And I'm Jody. And we watched Scare Me. We sure did. <laughs> I think... I think this is going to be one I'm gathering where we're going to have differing opinions on it. I think it is. I I need to preface this by saying that I didn't dislike this movie. I enjoyed it. Um, We can get into it. I felt like it was a bit of an inside joke movie for people who like horror movies. It is 100% an inside joke movie. For people who like horror movies. And I am not people who like horror movies. I (laughs) am people that avoid horror movies. And I think what my thought for what you might and what we might talk more about, although I will talk about that because I can't help it. Mm -hmm. But it's also, I think, a movie that is about the power of collaborative storytelling. Sure. It is a movie about uh, male insecurity. Yeah. Oh, I reacted to that part. And toxic masculinity. Yeah, I definitely reacted um, to that part. There, I think there's a lot here. Th- this movie feels like, I think I said this before we started recording, but it's doing like a few different things all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot for people who aren't, because I don't think this movie is particularly scary. No. Um, I think it has moments that are unsettling, but I think if you're not a horror movie person, or my hope is that there's still stuff to like... Uh, connect with or be interested in with this movie. Yeah, and I think that's why I can say I liked the movie because there were things that I did connect with, but I felt like I would have liked it a lot more if I was the target audience and I'm not the target audience. Like, I don't... I got some of the references because mm-hmm. there were there was a time when I did watch horror movies mm-hmm. and I am, like, just generally aware of pop culture and so there were certain things, references that I got or whatever, but I felt like there were so many that slipped by me where I was like, I think I'm supposed to know what that's referencing and I don't. And, like, so that was kind I of... I can see how that can be kind of, like, frustrating and a little yeah. off-putting. And, and it, I wasn't really, like... I mean, I like Aya Cash. I wasn't really familiar with mm-hmm. Josh Rubin, but I've I've liked Aya Cash and other things. She's a frequent podcast guest also. Mm-hmm. So like I just appreciate her as a person and a funny person generally. Um, I like Chris Chris Red. Um and I have spent a lot of time in cabins in the Catskills. <laughs> like I was literally so the we're already getting off on tangents, but whatever. The um Chris Red's character, Carlos or Carlo. 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 Yeah. Was wearing a, a jacket that for the pizza place, and it mm-hmm. was said Overlook Mountain. Overlook Mountain is the mountain that is in Woodstock, basically. That is the mountain I climbed to watch the eclipse in 2017. Oh, so, I like, thought it was an. That's interesting. I thought it was an Overlook Hotel reference, which is it the, probably was uh, from The Shining. It probably was, and it probably or maybe just, it was a happy accident. Exactly, it's probably a which coincidence that. But like, because if they don't say they mention Wappinger's Falls, they mention. Um, cat skills, but they don't say exactly where they are. Uh-huh. Um, but Overlook Mountain is a mountain that is on the grounds of the residency that I've done in Woodstock. That's so funny. Yeah, it's where I watched the I'll eclipse. Bet, I'll bet you're right that that's, that's what it's for, but it's also like, I can imagine yeah. Josh Rubin being very excited that it's also there's a small also mountain that and there's nothing on. Like, there's no, there's no, <laughs> it's not like I a think he's landmark. from the I think he's from the area. That would make sense if he has all those local references. 
I mean, that part of it felt pretty accurate. Like the Catskills is more isolated than you think it should be. Mm -hmm. Like there's, I've never had service when I'm up there, like consistently. It is so funny how those little pockets, because even, you know, my my background today, we're back at Parvin State Park, which is in Jersey. Every county in New Jersey is metropolitan. Mm -hmm. And there are still places in Jersey that feel like they're out in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. and that you will have trouble getting service. So it is interesting how, quickly you can feel disconnected from the outside world when you're in a place like that well and because there's also there's the Catskills itself which is like a natural wooded park area like a national forest or a state park one of those and then there's all the little towns around the Catskills that all refer to themselves as the Catskills Mm -hmm. right and so it's hard to say like where they're supposed to be I wonder if that's actually written down anywhere but um yeah yeah, I don't know. It felt like it could be a, a number of places that I've been up there where, mm-hmm. you know, it does feel really isolated. Although I did feel like they would not have had cell reception if they were truly in like a Catskills cabin to call the pizza place. I do like that it this movie for as entrenched and aware of the horror movie tropes it is doesn't fall back on any of the ones that we roll our eyes at. Like they do have cell phone reception. Yeah. And, like, they didn't need to use a phone in the house where the line was cut. Like Exactly. You know, yeah, they didn't need to use a landline and then mm-hmm. have it not work. Right. Do yeah. you want to tell us what this movie is about? Oh, boy. This movie is about people eating in the most disgusting possible <laughs> way. I have misophonia. I'm it so sorry. It drives me nuts when people eat. Like, I love Bonaduce, but when he eats on the podcast, <laughs> I cannot take it. And I know it's a me thing, but this movie had so much disgusting eating. <laughs> This is not a summary and- of the movie, but <laughs> like the TV dinner and when she has the the stuff oh, on her that face. Oh, that so gross. So she has the peanut butter or whatever it is oh, all over her face. God. Yeah, it's really gross. And then when they're eating the pizza and making all that noise. like Yeah, and Josh Rubin, well, we're going we're gonna to talk more after we talk about the movie and all yeah. about Josh Rubin and his background and stuff. Because I have something that I love when we get to our Jersey connection. Okay. I have a tenuous one that I just am so excited to show you and to play for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's his he's like so this is such an obvious thing to say, especially with this movie, but he's like so aware of sound and what like and playing with sound and like what Ugh. noises can do that like I can imagine how important it was for him for that TV dinner to be gross. And I think, honestly, this is part of why I didn't love this movie. I could totally see that. Because I am super sensitive to sound, like, in all forms in my life Mm -hmm. in general. It is the thing that will drive me the most crazy. Which is, I mean, me too, but not in like a, this is such an annoying thing to say, but like I listen for a living and I'm so attuned to noise in a way where like, the wrong kind of noise can ruin ruin yeah. my day. Yeah. But I'm just like, this movie is such a like, it's, it's a feast for the ears, you know? And that's probably why I had a problem <laughs> with it. Because I'm so sorry. I didn't even think about that. Your fight or flight was probably literally activated through most of this movie and not because it's not a because horror of the movie. horror movie. No, because of the noises. That's, I'm so sorry. And not sorry. just the food noises, but the other mouth yeah. noises. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's... He's a he's, mouth noise person. He's a mouth noise person big time. His Instagram... I could talk... I, I'm such a fan of Josh Rubens. He he has... He's been on um, the Pete Holmes podcast a f- few times. And yeah. they're some of my favorite episodes. And the two of them get into doing impressions. And so much of his... Like, the work he does to get into the, like, voice of a character has to do with, like 
the the way he breathes or like the way his mouth noises change i'm already uncomfortable like this is the thing his philip seymour hoffman is so wet and breathy you would oh. hate it you would even hate those it. words <laughs> wet and breathy gross gross okay so what's so this movie this about movie, <laughs> this movie is about two writers both renting cabins near each other in the catskills to work on their writing one is a very successful female author who wrote a book called Venus um, and was highly praised in lots of important places. And the male writer is not a successful writer. He works in advertising um, and has had a bunch of things. (laughs) Andrea's showing me her t-shirt. We'll talk about that. Um, has, Has had a bunch of things not work out. He is maybe an abuser in his relationship. He has a restraining order against him. It's a protection um, notice. It's not the same thing. Sure, sure, sure. Right, right. Uh, by his ex. Um, and they meet when they are both out jogging. Um, and then later that evening, the power goes out. She shows up at his house um, because they both have no power. And they decide to pass the time by telling each other scary stories. Um, kind of one-upping each other. And then there's some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's some constant elevating that's going on with the scariness. And then the pizza guy shows up and he's a big fan and he jumps in and they tell stories together. And there's a musical (laughs) element. There's a musical number. It's so good. That made me laugh. That, that part, I was like, okay, this is really funny. Um, and then he leaves, and then things take a turn because the Fred, Josh Rubin's character, says he wants to tell one more scary story, and it's the story of the two of them. And he has to, he has taken her idea notebook, and she's trying to get it back, and he says, how about I chase you? And if I catch you, then I keep the notebook. Yeah, he took her notebook because he read it, which he shouldn't have, but it's Mm -hmm. full of stuff about him and the stories they've told over the course of the night. She's just been taking notes. She's like Harry at the spy, just taking notes of what's going on around them. But she's also, as she says, being a writer, Mm -hmm. like writers take notes Mm -hmm. on things that happen um, to add to their stories. So he chases her. She hides. um, The chase continues. He we see off screen sort of a confrontation he ends up stabbing himself possibly with the fireplace poker he falls, falls down on the it. stairs yeah. and i think we're because she doesn't look like she did it she's kind of yeah. like you know on the floor next mm-hmm. to him he asks her to finish him off mm-hmm. and she doesn't she leaves and the next morning the housekeeper slash dr- not housekeeper the driver that he has hired to take him bettina. there bettina um, who we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about, shows up, finds the notebook, seems to not notice him dead. I'm sure eventually somebody does. and But finds the notebook that, that uh, Aya Cash's character has left behind. And the end of the movie, the sort of denouement is her having published a book based on the notes in that notebook and an mm-hmm. author like uh, event at a bookstore with her, Bettina. And mm-hmm. we don't see anything about what happens to either of the two main characters after that. Right. I mean, Fred is dead. Fred's dead for sure. But yeah, yeah but we don't know about. Yeah. Did I yeah. do okay? 
Yeah, I think you crushed it. It's a pretty simple plot, to be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. it, what it's the movie is about is not so much the plot, but it's about everything that's happening around the plot. Absolutely. Yeah, all the referencing and all of the, like, you know, themes that are underlying it. Yeah, and I think it is also uh, a little bit of, like, Ruben just showing I, – I don't even want to say showing off, but, like, like – showing how much you can do with very little yeah because there aren't really any special effects Mm -hmm. i mean there are a couple of little things like with the music number they do some stuff not really special effects but with like lighting and stuff yeah um and there's one of the scenes where he's being the werewolf you see a werewolf hand right Um, but for the most part all of the like um scene setting is done through sound more yeah. than more than anything else yeah um, which i think is so cool it's a really simple setup it all takes place in that one cabin mm-hmm. you know and the like one little scene on the road mm-hmm. and in the car on the way in <laughs> i texted you as soon as the movie started and i was watching that cab interaction it's like the real horror is other people she is what a scene stealer she's I, so annoying she's so her even just the little this is the thing what I'm going to end up saying the thing I love so much about this movie because, as you can see, I do really love this movie. Yeah. But Ruben's, like, eye and ear, I'm going to be so annoying about that, but for detail, is so... I know what you're going to say, I think. ...meticulous and spot on. It's James Cameron. That's what... Yep. I knew that was what you were going to say. I wrote so that down. funny. Yeah. And it tells you so much about her. Yeah. James Cameron. James Cameron is so funny. Yeah. No, I, that was one of the first things I wrote down. Mm-hmm. And they make her such like a Kathy Bates character. Oh yeah, you're waiting. You're waiting for, for her anybody in guy. this movie. Yeah. yeah, anybody in this movie could have been the villain of this movie, and you would have been like, "Yep, Chris Red as well." Hmm. But you, re- they're like, I think again, it's something I say a lot. Is like if you're attuned to the kind of movie that you're watching, you sort of know what to expect. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty sure most of this movie we weren't going to get just a straight up nobody was gonna like just straight up end up being a slasher like killer yeah but there was also part of me the whole time was like how fun would it be if bettina if the two of them are going back and forth and we're trying to figure out if one of them is going to be a killer right and then suddenly bettina shows back up with a knife yeah like i wouldn't have been totally surprised right i do think it would have been too pat though like it would have been too Mm -hmm. easy to Mm -hmm. just have a random slasher that happened to be the woman that was like the driver they would have had to actually add to her character in some way for that to make any sense. Especially when the real villain in this movie is toxic masculinity. <laughs> Wait, is the real villain the patriarchy, Andrea? <laughs> is is this... I, is this, I mean, it, it really is. This is no. our thread. Because the whole problem with this movie... Not problem with this movie. The whole issue, the whole the tension at the center of this movie is that Aya Cash's character is that Fanny is better yep. than Fred. Yep. And he can't handle that. Yep. And not it's not just that she's better. It's that she knows it and is unapologetic. Like, yes. she's kind of an asshole. Yeah, she is. And I, I like, like, I always, I, yeah. I just, I do like that. But like. I found myself not, not liking her as a person yeah. in this movie. She is I annoying really and obnoxious. Like, the only one I outright like, the only one in this movie I might want to hang out with maybe is Carlo. <laughs> yeah, oh, he seemed cool. Yeah. Yeah, he seemed like he was down for a good time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, she is kind of an asshole and she is very confident to the point where she's kind of cocky. Um, But also, I think that that is a slippery slope 
for the way that that is viewed. So like women conf- being confident yes. is seen as cocky way quicker mm-hmm. than a man being confident, you know, totally. like I found this even like in my work life. Like if I, if I, I believe s- it, yeah, you know, if I say like, oh, I'm actually, I'm good at this thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it almost feels like you have to apologize ahead of saying that. Right. And she doesn't do that at all. No. You know, and he can't handle that. Mm-hmm. It is. She's, it's so funny. She is better at everything than him. Mm-hmm. I've thought about this movie. I should say, I have thought, I'm going to be, I keep saying I'm going to be annoying about this. I'm going to be so annoying about this movie. I've thought about this movie so much. When it first came out, I was, I mentioned this last week, I was working for a podcast network um, and we got an advanced screening of this because Ruben did one of like was on the movie podcast that was on that network. Um, and so and then I wrote a review of mm-hmm. the movie for the network. Oh, which I now I, have to read now that I've seen it. Oh, yeah, you can read that now. Yeah, um, I'm calling it a review. It is so much more of like an academic essay that also includes a review of the movie, which means um, that it's what I would want to read anyway about this movie. But it's not like if listeners scare scare that up. Um, it's not like a <laughs> Roger Ebert two thumbs up kind of right. review um no one would expect he... that from you andrea <laughs> okay good we um, reference a dissertation re- like regularly <laughs> like a phd dissertation from 2015 for fun yeah yeah by a librarian exactly yeah. yeah that's a really good point yeah um but so and so like i did all the like prep work for their interview and all of that so i have a lot um of like background knowledge and yeah stuff on which this i'm movie. really glad about because i feel like i we talked about how I came into this, which is that I don't really watch a lot of horror movies and I hate noise. Like I hate sounds, <laughs> especially <laughs> mouth sounds. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so like, I want to hear the other stuff. Like I really do mm-hmm. want to appreciate this movie and learn more about what I missed, you know, because I do appreciate. You were too distracted by hearing these oh people smile God. and stuff. And I had to watch it with headphones in because of <laughs> the fact that I'm in a communal living space right now. So sorry. She's so I've watched this movie very like annoyingly closely for especially for the kind of movie it is. As you said, it is very simple. But she does literally everything better than him. Down to ordering a pizza. Like when she goes to order the pizza and he doesn't know the address of the cabin. Yeah. And she's and she like, finds it immediately. On she's a, like, like a look letter. at a piece of mail. Yeah. Like, what are you talking? Like, yeah. Every he like she gets that fire started. She's like, extremely she competent at everything. Exactly. And again, he hates it. And it just slowly eats away at him. Yeah. Throughout this movie. Yeah. Do you think he was actually planning to hurt her if he caught her? Oh, um, that is a question that I don't think is answerable i mean like maybe by josh rubin but Mm -hmm. i think that it's meant for us to not really know and not Mm -hmm. not ever actually be able to figure it out because we're led to believe he's capable of it by the fact that like restraining orders are not really given on accident right and they're not given on slim evidence either they're actually like hard to get you have to actually document things yeah so he's obviously at least a stalker Mm -hmm. and like that doesn't often that's not usually the end of it if someone is a stalker that is that extreme to get a restraining order against them it is likely that there has been some physical violence of some kind not necessary but but likely but but likely yeah my guess is he's fresh off of this breakup and that is part of what has put him out in 
to the woods yeah. to like get away from it. And I think that when he tells her the first time he tells her a little bit about his life uh, where he's like, you know, I wrote her a couple like two or three hundred letters that I called <sighs> and I threatened to kill her while well, we threatened to kill each other. I believe I believe that that's true. Yeah. And two or three hundred like or not two or three hundred letters. Excuse me. He says I wrote a bunch of letters and called two or three hundred times. times. That is enough to get two or three hundred like threatening phone calls and who knows what were in those letters yeah um so whether physical violence has or hasn't happened yet i think still a dangerous person exactly yeah exactly like not to be not to bring this down immediately but like have you had a stalker because i have Uh, no no okay like i had someone who was harassing me sexually harassing me via text Mm -hmm. somebody that i had met like twice Right. Um, Jesus. And like I the 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 mindset that allows you to do that to another person, yes. there you can't trust that they have a moral line somewhere. Right. That ends or, up physical also, violence. Right. And and like also that it's like what it a big part of it. This is not to excuse this behavior. I don't think it's going to sound like it is. It's like an impulse control issue. Too. Yeah. So, like, if you can't control yourself enough to say, like, I'm not going to to do that, like, we don't know where, like, like, it's bad enough that he was chasing her around the cabin yeah. to go back to the movie with a poker. Yeah. That's bad, whether he was going to sure. hurt her or not. He wanted her to believe that he would. Right. It's also a lack of empathy. Mm-hmm. So, like, the ability to yes. do that to a person, to call a person two to three hundred times, to send harassing text messages, you do not have empathy for the effect that that is having on the person that you're doing right. it to. Because you right. cannot, if you had any empathy for the amount of discomfort and fear mm-hmm. that that gives to someone, you wouldn't do it. You would right. just say, like, I am hurt. I will go deal with my hurt. I will exactly. not make you deal with my hurt as well. Exactly. You know? So, yeah, I don't, I I definitely believe that he was capable of hurting her, mm-hmm. whether or not he actually was going to in that moment or if he just wanted to scare her and then pretend that he wasn't right. going to do anything right. or like just, you know, psychologically intimidate her because he was so intimidated by her. Right. You know, just like even the playing field by reminding her that like he could hurt her. Well, that too, right? That like she can be terrifying in a book and everybody can love that, but he's still... Yeah, he can still hurt her. And he, he, like, he called her little girl at the end. Like, Mm -hmm. that was the sort of, like, by the way, you may be better than me at all these things, but I can still kill you. Right. Because you are literally a little girl to me, you know? And Ayakash is a small person also. Mm -hmm. So that was even more sort of dramatic in that moment. Yeah. And I think, I do think for this movie and the story that's being told throughout i don't think i think he's telling the truth mm-hmm. when he's like bleeding out on the poker and he says i i think he says i was just kidding yeah which is like oof it's a little light for what was going on but yeah. it also says too like to go back to what you were saying about like the lack of empathy and also the like this isn't exi- this it's not also the lack of empathy of like in general of like when people say that women are overreacting Mm-hmm. by being nervous about walking home alone at night right? yeah you hear that yeah. like and it's like well it's because you haven't had to be in your shoes and i think that probably fred thought he would do this he would scare her and then he would say i'm just kidding 
and it would be It'd okay be because they had been telling these stories back and forth and that was the point blah 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 that like in his head he could justify yeah that. and again it comes back to the lack of empathy because mm-hmm. then he's not ever put himself in the shoes of a woman who has felt threatened in any way by right. a man you know mm-hmm. which is every woman right and he even said in that interview um from back the other total side note but the other other thing that is maybe has to do with my like my love for this movie so much is i saw it, it came out october 2020 which means i had been stuck in my house alone yeah. for six seven months yeah. we were right at the point in the pandemic where it felt like there was no end in sight and we'd been in it so long that we were already insane yeah and like i don't remember seeing anything that felt like good or fun to watch like yeah and i got this movie and it just was like it was like it just hit everything that i needed at the time i can totally see that yeah it also felt like the parts of it that felt bad felt bad in a way that like felt kind of good if that makes sense like it just well there's something to be said and not to like say yay for white men generally but there is something to be said for when as a consumer of culture someone makes something that is acknowledging the experience of being a woman in patriarchy and in the scary part of patriarchy that results in violence and that is created by someone in that position of power like we you know not to give I feel like I'm I'm one of those people that was like the Barbie movie was so great. Did you see how good Ken was? Like, but <laughs> because like we give a lot of credit to the few white men out there that like acknowledge the way that um racism and sexism and violence and all of that hurts people. Mm-hmm. But he is one of those people, clearly. Right. That that he created this movie. He does see what it yeah, would be he's... like to be Aya Cash in this movie. Yeah, he said, um, I'm going to read just a quote yeah. again from that. I did no research, by the way, so please fill me in. <laughs> um, and he said, uh, for me, the angry driver, the motivation writing this was where the world was at. People who I looked up to, like Aziz Ansari, were being mm. outed for taking advantage of women. And a lot of guys in my network, a lot of dudes were pretty quiet on Instagram and Twitter. And all I was doing was hitting the share button. Mm-hmm. And like, so like being aware of like, yeah, that like men being unwilling to speak up and then also him being somebody who like he said like all i was doing was hitting the share button which is something yeah. like we're you know you're you're helping to spread word to amplify voices but it is still a pretty passive yeah thing we also do though come back to the issue that and there's another what other movie did we watch I'm about to say something that I that we have talked about before and I don't remember why hmm. but it's like but it is still a movie written by a man <laughs> who does benefit from the things that Fred benefits yeah. from and so that does complicate like how uh, yeah. like effective and I can imagine that like for uh, some people this movie feels a little eye rolly for that reason. Sure and I will say like Ayakash's character until the very end feels very one note to me. Mm-hmm. She is an asshole and mm-hmm. she's like a cocky asshole and it's nice because we don't see that in a female character very often and when it happens i like to see it like you know mm-hmm. i love to see a confident woman who gives no fucks but right. that is her only characteristic is that mm-hmm. she's talented and cocky for the mm-hmm. first 80 to 90 percent of the movie and then at the end when we see her fear 
Right. Then she was right. And that's the other note that we get from her, though. Yes. Yes. Right. Is this like slipping of the confidence, the cracking of the like, you can't hurt me thing Mm -hmm. to realize like he can hurt her and he kind of wants to. Mm -hmm. And so we see her go from like, you know, super tough to super scared. And that's the extent of her character. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that, huh? Yeah, I think that, like, you know, as a how how am I going to say this? Because I don't I don't mean this in a in a mean way. I did appreciate his take on this problem of like toxic masculinity and violence and all of that. Mm-hmm. But he is still coming at it from sort of looking at Fred. More than he's looking at Aya's experience. Mm -hmm. I keep forgetting her actual name in the movie because it doesn't make sense to me that her name is what? Fanny? Fanny. That makes no sense to me. She's not a Fanny. (laughs) Um, She's like a Susan or something. But um, I don't know. She's not a Fanny. I just love that you're like... She's not a fanny, so she's a Susan, which, which is, is also an old-fashioned name. I know. It's also my mother's name. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> That's really funny. I know. Let's not analyze that too far. Um, I have to assume fanny is a horror movie reference. Like- it's got to be. It's got to be because it's such a specific name. But anyway, my yeah. whole point was that even in this sort of like anti-toxic masculinity movie, he is focusing more on the experience of the man in the movie and it's he's focusing on his flaws and the negative aspects of him and he's looking mm-hmm. at him with like a harsh critique but he is still focused more on him than he is on what Ayakash's experience fanny's experience in that moment would actually have been right. you know like you know, we don't see her inner monologue at all until the right. end and you know it's interesting as you were saying that i was trying to decide if i thought to a degree the same could be said about fred And I think so. I think, Mm -hmm. I mean, we do get, I mean, again, like you said, like this movie is, it's focalized through Fred. That's whose point of view we're watching it from. So, Mm -hmm. of course, we're going to get a little more. Yeah. But most of what we get from his backstory is just enough to make us think that he might actually be dangerous. Yeah. But what's interesting is she's not afraid until the end of this movie. He's afraid the whole time, just in a different way. Mm. And his fear, right, like of being like when Carlo points at him and yells, he's like, you're an emasculated man. Yeah. Like that's his biggest fear. Yeah. And it's like his response to that fear is to then eventually like go after Fanny, whether it's actually hurt her or make her fear for her life, whether it's going to kill her or not. But it's her response. Do you know that? I forget. Do you know who said it? In the first place that like men, a man's biggest fear is that a woman will reject him. A woman's biggest fear is that a man will kill her. This is what I was going to interrupt you to quote. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was about to interrupt you to make that statement. (laughs) I don't know who said it originally, but it is the whole thing in this movie is his Mm -hmm. fear is that he's not good enough and he's, you know, rejected, emasculated, whatever. And hers is that he's going to kill her. Oh, I'm so, it's Margaret Atwood. It's and I was wrong. It's men are afraid that women will laugh at them. Women are afraid that men will kill them. But it's the yep. same. It's the same. And of thing. course, it's Margaret Atwood. Of course, it's Margaret Atwood. And yes, yeah, so that is very much that's this whole. That's yeah. this whole movie. Yeah. Right? Um, and I do think it's interesting because thinking about the time frame, I didn't think about when this movie came out. But the fact is that there were a lot of people in the sort of comedy community totally 
that were either being called out for toxic shit they'd done, like not outright necessarily violence or sexual violence, but just well, poor Aziz behavior. Ansari is a great example. Yeah, because that, I don't. Yeah, that that conversation around it, and I'm a, a little too far removed from it now in terms of time to remember exactly. Yeah, but I don't think the woman who even wrote about their encounter said that she felt like a like that she had been assaulted or right. anything. Just that he was like presumptuous uh-huh. and overbearing uh-huh. and like just like and shitty. unaware of what you know yeah the way she was feeling in the moment and all of that yeah yeah and that is a super common experience right um, and not okay i again i always do this on the show i think our listeners know yeah i'm not excusing aziz ansari no. i'm my point is but also that, like, it is more of a nuanced conversation yes. than say someone like um Harvey Weinstein. Sure, we could go there. I was going <laughs> to think of another comedy person that has been sort of uh, Louis C.K. Well, yeah, there's more of them though. <laughs> I could do this all day. I know. The, no, the one I was thinking of was um, the creepy one. They're all creepy. Fuck, what is his name? He called his fans babies. Oh, um, uh, uh, Crystalia. Thank you. Yes, I was yeah. thinking of Crystalia. So, like, not all of them were in that realm, but it was that time when, like, a lot of guys in that community were being, having sort of a reckoning with the public about their behavior. And it was, there was a lot of conversation about who was calling them out and who wasn't, mm-hmm. you know? Like, there's a few a few female comedians that I, I follow on Twitter who were relentless about calling them out, and I very much appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Amy Miller, um, I think Emily Heller was also one of them, like... Mm-hmm. Shout out to those people because they're Amy Miller's <laughs> yeah. takedowns of the male comedians that are super toxic. If you don't follow, I don't, she's probably not even on it anymore because it's such a toxic yeah. nightmare. But she was one of the highlights of Twitter for me when Twitter was good. So yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to hear more from about what you've learned by kind of watching this a few times and writing about it that makes this so, um, such a a movie that you were so excited to rewatch because I kind of get it, but I also know there's a lot that I'm missing. Well, I think you nailed it when you said, and this was um, maybe uh, my, well, it's certainly my fault, not maybe my fault, but the issue being how much of this movie is just a straight up love fest of horror movies. Yeah. Right? Like, and I only got some of that. Yeah. Um, And I mean, they call a lot of them out like she's like Jaws and he's like, oh, it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. He's doing like his Nicholson impression and Mm -hmm. and all of that all throughout. And there are all of these shots where like he just does not want you to forget for a second that this is a horror movie that knows horror movies exist. And I got that especially Um, in the beginning with things like the things that were less specific to an a specific movie and we're more like a camera angle or a trope you know there's that moment where his like fingers a lot of this if you do end up reading that that article i wrote um is gonna be just me echoing what i've already said about this movie but like there's like the way his fingers dance across those knives Mm -hmm. those like kitchen knives where he's like up huh Huh? Sometimes we kill with these. Yeah. Um, or when he's standing at the top of the staircase into the basement, he's like, nope. nope, and just shuts the door. But also, like, camera angles where, like, we see him at one point, um, he's outside, I think, and we see him from behind, and you see and the his... door frame. Uh-huh. And it's like, 
the point of view and then there's a sound and you're like okay in another movie this would mean that someone was coming up behind him with a knife yeah but instead in this movie it's something else that's totally benign mm-hmm I love there's so many of those. I thought you were going to reference the one he's inside the house and he's in a doorway and he's from behind. And it's at the point where you're starting to question whether or not he's going to end up being the bad guy in this movie. Mm-hmm. And his he's very still and his head is cocked to the side. Mm. And it's so it's not it's it's just a body language choice. And it's so unsettling because it's, yeah. it's just like. Yeah, I, for me, a lot of it was framing. I think because I'm a visual person, like I just Mm -hmm. noticed the way certain scenes were framed that referenced to me classic like horror movie tropes, you know? That's what I love. So there's just for a movie that is so spare, like we said, it Mm -hmm. takes place. It really has one, I guess, three locations. If you four, if you count the car, the road where they meet and then the The bookstore front of that bookstore. There are four locations in this movie. Yeah. But 90% Uh, of it is in one. There are as many characters. Yeah. Um, and again, next to no special effects, and there's it's so full, it's so full, and it's like there's so many shots like that. Even just like when he gets into the cabin before, right before the shot with the knives, there's like just a shot of his shoes mm-hmm. that's really beautiful and weirdly off-putting, even though it's just a shot of his shoes. Like I, I love how a lot of it is lighting too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, like we know what those cues are when it's lit a certain way. Mm -hmm. Which I just think is so fun. And we've talked about a few different times um, over the course of our episodes of like a filmmaker who was really like capital M making a capital M movie. And this is an example of it that I think is so fun. You can just tell he's so in love with what Jeremy Jasper come on our podcast. (laughs) Jeremy Jasper come on our podcast. Zach Braff. Yeah, that's never going to happen. I mean, come on our podcast if you want, I guess. Um, <laughs> but Jeremy Jasper, come on our podcast. Uh, Josh Rubin is another example yeah, of that. Definitely. Um, and one who is capital M making a capital H horror capital M movie. Correct. Like he just, and I love, I just love anything where you could tell somebody is really in love with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so obvious with this movie. Definitely. Um, definitely. And I mean, there's a lot of also like, you can really get what his sense of humor is in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's very corny. <laughs> it's very corny. Like I think, so if we go back to our Molly Ringwald, John Candy um, split, this is definitely uh-huh. on the John Candy side. <laughs> oh yeah. Due to the like dumb humor. It's so silly. Yeah. Like, um, oh, he says something about like Rover runs over when he's, or she does when she's talking about the dog in the mm-hmm. grandpa story. There's just these little like puns and things that pop up. I can't wait to show you the thing I'm going to show you and play for our listeners later because it's so stupid and it truly fills me with so much joy. And I think I, I love, I, I've talked about how like my favorite genre is a horror movie that is genuinely funny mm-hmm. um, or and not even, or a comic, like, one where it's like hard to say what the genre is not horror hyphen comedy like that's a little different yeah but a movie that like a horror movie that takes the comedy as seriously as it takes the horror correct and and like whether you think this movie is scary or not which again i don't i i don't really think it is i think it has scares in it but it's despite not being scary it is a horror movie yeah like it just lives in that genre yeah well and um, also it 
you also tend to like a movie that's aware of itself as a movie. Mm-hmm. And this, I mean, at this point in this movie, there's actually a comment where she, she, he or she, I don't remember who says it, but one of them says, this isn't a movie. We don't have to establish it. You yeah. Know? It's when he asks her to tell what Venus is about. And he's like, for anybody who doesn't right. already know. Right. And she's like, this isn't a movie. We don't have to establish it. And it's like, yeah. okay, I see what you're doing. At there. one point, Carlo is telling the story directly to the camera. He is making direct eye contact with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, again, I... It seems like the negative reviews of this movie were generally positive. Mm -hmm. The people, the reviews that are more negative tend to have to be people who are tired of that or think it's kind of like hokey or hacky to be meta in that way. I can see that. Yeah. It's I'm never going to be tired of that if it's if it's done in a way that is smart and not not just winking for the sake of it, which I don't think this movie is. um, It. uh, Yeah, no, it's your it's your jam. Like it's your you love it. Which this is, movie was truly made for me. Yeah. yeah, and I could see that while I was watching it. Like I was like, oh, I see why she she loves it so much. Oh, there's the line "dead babies with really bad scabies." Like, <laughs> there's just a lot of these very silly, <laughs> silly moments. Uh huh. Like, there's also there's like a theatricality to some parts of this movie that was really like to me a little bit jarring, but I could see why people would think it was fun. Like when she makes the fire and it just whooshes up all of a sudden, it's like, she she didn't make a fire. Like that's takes a minute to make a fire. That's what I wonder. That's one of the things that I think is really smart about this movie is how, how much of that stuff are we supposed to assume is happening actually on screen and how much of it is the magic of the two of them working together and us kind of being pulled into that storytelling. Like when she says something about the phone ringing and it, Mm-hmm. In the movie, it does actually. I'm quote. I'm putting right. air quotes up. Where it does quote unquote actually ring. Yeah. Well, same thing with the door. Like one of them yeah. is telling a story, and the door opens, and like that's supposed to creep us out, and we're supposed to wonder. I think if it's actually opening, or if it's part of that sort of magic you're talking about. But then she does have to go close the door. Right. Like it's actually open. And I think it's all kind of happening. It's I think both. The end. answer is exactly. Yeah. And again. I'm a sucker for that too. Yeah. Like it just there. And there's so much of that. The, I could talk, we this whole episode could just be about the sound design in this movie. And the fact that like some of it is like, did you watch it with the captions on? I think so. I almost always do. The sound effects Maybe in the movie are, they will simultaneously be next to each other. It'll say like uh, grunting and then, brackets what the actual what's happening in the actual sound design so it'll be like monster gurgles because both will be happening at the same time on the screen or Mm. in or in the sound um i think maybe i didn't because usually i do but i don't normally use my i don't normally watch things through apple tv and i did this time okay so if it wasn't yeah yeah Um, it's it's the like the caption are fighting for their life in that movie because there's so much going on and they made it a really and it it's necessary they made it such a point of what is Fanny and Fred making noise and what is the movie making noise? I bet that actually is really informative. Yeah, totally. Um, and like like when there's a, you know, they talk about the creepy strings and actual creepy strings. But at one point, Fred says, cue the creepy strings mm-hmm. and he's making the noise. Yeah. But the movie does not engage. Right. The sound doesn't yes. pick up. I noticed And it's that. like, yeah. And it's such a cool thing because it's like. Even in the movie, like Fanny in general is better at calling forth the special effects and the sound design and all of that of the movie yeah. than Fred is. Yeah, that's like another he, failure. And it's his of movie. Him. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's another failure. I think that's so cool. Yeah. And it's not always because he does like when he's when he's in the cabin by himself before Fanny shows up, he's doing all of that, too. Like he's pretending he's doing the like, let me out Mm -hmm. to like the creature he's imagining is in the basement. And like we get some noise there. Um, But it's it's almost like the sound in this movie is a character, you know? It's almost like the Catskills is the character in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true, though. It kind of operates independently of both of them. You know, it's. But they still have to like call it forth. And then it's up to the atmosphere or their. I think it has more to do with the like potency of their storytelling, whether or not. It responds. The like. Yeah. Yeah. I think is so cool. And it stops responding to him when he gets really threatening. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that's really cool. I also think to just kind of jump back to the whole, like, what was happening at the time and Me Too and how he calls her, like, uh, what are you, one of those, like, what is it with you and white men? And are you one of those feminists? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Like, we find out at some point when eventually she has to talk about Venus um, that it's, like, a zombie outbreak that only affects women. And it is, like, it's about the patriarchy, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Like, so she is sort of, like one of those like probably has been harassed by men on Twitter type of writers, totally. you know, yeah. because of well, the and subject. She says to like, Oh, you think I don't get, cause she there's when Carlo is there, he says to ghoul for school is the title mm-hmm. of one of the movies there or stories they're telling themselves. Yeah. And she writes it down. That's the first like little yeah. tension there for Fred where he's like you can't just take that like Carl and Carl is like I don't care I'm the one who said it and I'm not even worried right. about it um but she says like yeah and people steal from me all the time right. like I'm a woman and like yeah exactly right, of course they take from me and I just do it better than them right um and he knows that that's not something he's not going to do it better than anybody so he can't be that like right free to yeah that reminded me of um there's a Cameron Esposito special called Rape Jokes, um, mm-hmm. where she talks about how male comedians are constantly complaining. And Chris talks about this too, Chris Gethard. Like, they're always complaining that they can't say anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And she basically is like, you can't? Like, then you're not, right. then you're not funny. Like, be funny, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, do your job. Be good right. at your job, you know? And I think we're we're meant to feel that he is just bad at his job. Like he talks about how he doesn't read books. He just like, you know, watches movies and like writes things and that's all he needs to do. It's like, okay, sir. Okay. And she says like that's the quickest way to write, like I forget exactly what, but to, yeah. 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 Which and is I mean he is so fucking derivative with everything he says. Like that's kind it's of the point. So funny that he is just bad at what he does. Yeah, he can it's only not... reference things other people have done. He can't mm-hmm. come up with anything on his own. I'm gonna show you my shirt again. It is werewolves have guns. Dot dot. It's not even. That's the other thing too. Yeah. You know how you. Know, it's like his ellipsis only has two periods. <laughs> so werewolves have guns. Dot dot. Get revenge is so funny. Yeah. It's his big idea he also immediately steals from bettina when she says she's working Mm -hmm. on a story that she thinks james cameron would like Mm -hmm. the second uh fanny asks him what he's working on he tell he tries to steal that story so yeah like double standard there and it's the one thing that she's interested in that he says right right yeah 
Um, well, and he also, so the, I wrote down when he's describing the plot of the werewolf movie, it's like werewolf <laughs> kills the kid's parent. It's like Batman. It's totally Batman. It's just Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if he had grown up to be a bat, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, if the kid in the werewolf story grew up to dress like a werewolf. Yeah. Then it would be Batman. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Ugh. Do you know what Josh Rubin's next movie was after uh, Scare Me? I sure don't. It's a movie called Werewolves Within. I love that movie, too. That's another one that's like, actually, that movie's actually scary. Okay. Um, And so I would say you don't want to watch it, but it's also <laughs> genuinely really funny. Hmm. Uh, but I think he just directed that one, actually. Let me double check. Yeah, I literally in my notes wrote, so it's a Batman werewolf? Like, <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah, he just direct. He just directed that one, um, but that movie is fantastic, and it's a werewolf story, which That's is funny. I, I texted you and said, like, meta. kind of like, yeah, I half jokingly texted you um, to say, uh, I have a lot. There's a lot to say about Garden State in yeah. this movie. And that's one of them is that like Garden State is about Zach Braff. Mm-hmm. Scare me in a lot of ways, minus I hope in real life, the, <laughs> the stalking. violence and like yeah. Yeah, uh, Josh Rubin. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, not not exactly, but like he wrote, produced. Yeah. Um, stars in. Stars in yeah. everything. This movie, this movie is his baby. And it's about a a, a white male being, writer yeah, yeah. and so, i like, also think that like you could see this and i don't know if he feels this way about it but you could see this as sort of josh rubin's fear for himself you know right. is that he like is trying Especially, not to be this right exactly and yeah. that he's so tied up in the community that is so often yes yeah, and exactly. at the time like like to say aziz ansari like they're probably pretty close in age mm-hmm. and like I, I know they have like run and worked in similar circles at least. And, yeah. Like in this movie, he's be... thirty eight, and it's like he's dead. By the way, yeah, yeah, it's exactly. like he's eighty five. Uh huh. And yeah. like she even is like, oh, yeah. When she finds out how old he is, she's like, yeah. And like so, and it is. This is not to excuse. Uh, it when you are somebody, and I speak as somebody who was born into a lot of privilege. Like when you, not. Not wealth. I just mean because I'm a white mm-hmm. woman in basically like a white woman in the Northeast. Yeah. I don't. I just again, as as I need to yeah. let everybody know, I'm I didn't grow up with money. Um, but but I say that as somebody who does have that, like it can be really easy to not be aware of what that affords you. Yeah. Oh, and for so, sure. Like, there's a there's you know once you get over a point where you're stalking and all of that, like you know. But I think there are a lot of men who are never challenged or called on it, who it doesn't even occur to them yep. that they should be yep. yeah. examining it. I and so a... I could see having that fear yeah. as someone like Josh Rubin. I also think like he comes from like a pretty like, yeah. I think wealthy, I think educated, I think pretty like artistically free family. Right. And so the fact like those kinds of people can often skate by yeah. without having to think about any of this yeah. ever. Nobody challenges so them on it. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a really good point that you made to say like, if he is somebody who's aware of this stuff, being afraid that, like, if I'm not thinking about it mm-hmm. all the time, that I could become somebody like this. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, I think a really we all point. have that version of ourselves mm-hmm. that's like, what happens if I'm not watching myself? Right. You know? Right. Like, I, I joke about the, like, 
super woke white ladies who are actually completely blind in the fact that their privilege is like, like they say all the right things, but they don't change anything in their own lives. And like, that's my biggest fear is that like, I am performing something that I'm not really living, you know? And I think that that's kind of, I also, I have to point this out. This is not on the same serious note, but Aya Cash, when this movie was filmed was 38. (laughs) Oh, funny. She just just looks incredible. She's 41 now. So yeah, she just looks young, but she was the age that that she's making fun of in this movie, Uh which I like. Well, good. Yeah. That's funny. I also think that, like, I noticed at some point that this movie, maybe intentionally, maybe not, is made for, A, horror movie nerds, but also there's a lot of, like, Hollywood writer jokes in there. Like, when they all do coke, and they're pitching ideas. And And they're both shocked that he's never done it. Yeah. And they're, like, constantly elevating each other's ideas and, like, Mm -hmm. piling on. And none of them are really good but they think it's the best thing they've ever done. I'm like, okay, that is a bunch of Hollywood writers on Coke. Like thinking that the idea (laughs) they came up with is like life-changingly amazing. And then the next day they're going to wake up and be like, what did I just write down? Like, yeah. I, um, I want to read a little bit about, um, there's an article from Hudson Valley one, um, (laughs) from before, after the movie, the movie um, like went to Sundance first in mm-hmm. like January of 2020, and then it didn't get its release. Shutter bought it. It was like a Shutter exclusive, right. which is I think I said last week a really cool streaming yeah um, platform. Uh, but now you can find this movie other places. But uh, filmmaker Josh Rubin returns to the community he loves uh, by Robert Burke Warren, and he uh, grew up in the Hudson Valley. Yeah, that makes sense. And the movie was filmed. In Cooper Lake, if that says Oh, it. yeah. He spent 14 days last winter in a Cooper Lake cabin directing and okay. starring in his self-penned horror comedy, Scare Me. Um, yeah, no, it makes sense that he is grew up in the Hudson Valley because it does it does feel like somebody who knows that area wrote this. Aha. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. I was right. What's that? So Cooper Lake is technically in Woodstock. So Woodstock being where I did that residency, being where Overlook Mountain is, Mm -hmm. hence the Overlook Mountain pizza. Right. Yeah. Which then knowing that he's so entrenched in this community, it's quite possible. He was like, I want the pizza place to be on Overlook Mountain so I can make the Overlook connection. It says like, as a boy, Ruben was very active in the Woodstock Youth Theater, a bit of a wild child. There you go. Um, And so. I wonder if he's uh, ever done Berkeley. (laughs) What's that? The residency. That's in Woodstock. Like all of the cabins at the Burcliff residency look like the one behind you, except they have like uh, teal blue trim to brighten them up. So they don't look oh, quite God. so murdery. Uh-huh. That's so nice. Yeah. But they also look like the cabins that he was in the, in the movie. Um, I'm just going to say this now so that I don't have to go back through and edit out where I was wrong earlier. We'll just, this will just be my correction. Okay. Ruben's mother, whom he calls a lioness, is Barbara Rubin, one time principal um, of... Antiora High School and author of The Principal's Office, his sister, singer-songwriter Roy Yamagata, and he says, I grew up around incredibly strong women. Mm. They've influenced his work particularly scare me as we... Mm. That's similar to what Jeremy Jasper was saying about writing uh, Patty Cakes. Yeah. That he grew up around a bunch of strong New Jersey women. Seeing if there's anything else in here. (laughs) Oh! Ruben's first break was a Wendy's voiceover gig previously held by Zach Braff. The garden <laughs> state of it all. <laughs> That's funny. Hmm. 
interesting. That's funny. I couldn't, I kept thinking of Fanny, of like a version of this movie that isn't a a horror movie, where he's this like really talented writer who just can't connect. Like he's got some natural talent inside of him Mm -hmm. and he's too stunted for whatever reason. And then he he needs a woman to bring it out of him. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, absolutely and yeah. there are a couple of times where you think maybe it is yeah. or where you think he really wants it to like yeah right at the end right before he more like turns on her where he says like this is the first time i've had fun in a really long mm-hmm. time and i just i really needed that and there's also when and they're sitting on the floor right before the pizza guy shows up and they're talking about the troll story and how they're gonna kiss and you think yeah. it might be going in that direction and then chris red shows up thank god i mean yeah, i knew seriously it's like Again, that's another instance where I'm like, in the fiction of this movie, do you think the two of them were feeling that tension? Or did Josh Rubin, the filmmaker, try to like trick us? Right. Yeah. I did not buy them as having any chemistry. No. And I don't think other than that exact moment, he was trying to like imply that they did have that kind of the only time the two I I think I didn't buy them having any like romantic or sexual chemistry no I think when they get really into telling their stories like there's the one the one that's like the most collaborative about the the like creepy little troll guy Mm -hmm. um and the the woman in the office like that one is them telling that story together way more than any of the others and they're like and it is that's the story they're telling when they're about to kiss yeah but it feels like maybe they're about to kiss yeah um and so it's and yeah they another... have chemistry in that moment as storytellers mm-hmm. and i think i could i mean as somebody in a creative field i could see that when you like click with someone creatively those things can kind of blend into each other a little bit yeah it's like how i was just i just got stuck on an instagram rabbit hole of this singer um who has started posting videos with another singer and they clearly have really great <laughs> chemistry as singers yeah. and all of the comments are like when are you two going to announce your dating right and it's like such a thing in people's heads to make that yeah that leap. makes sense to and yeah so i think that's maybe what is going on yeah um no we were joking last night at i'm at an artist residency and we were joking last night about the like residency hookup or like the mm-hmm. like uh you know th- how like theater people all end up sleeping with each other because it's like you're in this creative moment with someone else and it just Mm -hmm. kind of you know bleeds into it that moment where the three of them are collaborating on the musical Mm -hmm. i think it's supposed to be like our high point like Mm -hmm. the thing that's escalated to right um and there is sort of like an ecstatic moment where the collaboration really takes off and part of it is due to the fact that they're all on coke (laughs) Um, but I think it's, it's kind of lulls us into a false sense of security for a moment with him because it is a moment where it feels like the three of them are all on the same page and they're all contributing. Cause before that, when he's trying to tell a story, she's constantly like coaching him slash berating him slash correcting his, like, he says something about, um, she says gargle she's like gurgle and like he's she's correcting his like language right, and he says he's lumbering mm-hmm. when he means lurking i yeah yeah and then like um she's constantly coaching him about like adding details 
Mm-hmm. You know, which is such a like writer 101, like, oh, yeah, be specific, right? Uh-huh. What it, where is this happening? What is happening? What is the clothing look like? What is, you know, details, details, details. And she's constantly like coaching him about that. And I think if that tone had continued without the break, where the three of them are like high and pitching and having fun, it would have been too obvious that he was going to turn but we have this little break where they all have this like elevated moment where they're having fun and being silly Mm -hmm. and then the turn comes when chris red's character leaves when carlo leaves so yeah i think that's that musical number reminded me a little of the uh yellow jackets uh misty's musical number oh god just because it's so out of context uh-huh. It's like randomly yeah. suddenly they're in a musical and the spotlight mm-hmm. is on and yeah. <laughs> that song is really that's, funny though. That song's and the choreographed dance of it all. Yeah. Where it's like, oh God, it's so silly. Yeah. No, I enjoyed that part. I also read or actually don't remember where I learned this. It might be in that interview um, he did with that network I worked for that this movie feels like if you told me this was like a couple of improvisers who went in with a pretty loose script, but apparently like almost every word in this movie was scripted, hmm. um, which I think is really interesting that it feels so, I mean, he comes from, he, he just, he is an improviser. Yeah. He comes from that background. I figured. He comes from, he was like really active with uh, college humor. And then mm-hmm. what college humor became, um, I don't know if you know, dropout TV, Mm-mm. which I love. I'm like I love Dropout TV. Uh, it's where a lot of the people from College Humor went. It's a, another streaming service. Okay, and they have a ton of shows. They do um, uh, Dimension Twenty, which is an actual Play D and D podcast, but they have a bunch of other stuff. The thing I keep saying I can't wait to show you is from that. Okay, um, maybe we'll do that now. Yeah. But, so he comes from that background, and so maybe because of that, you can really feel it. It just feels like people who are so free and just so willing to like try things on, especially um, in that three part three person scene. Mm-hmm. Where they're el- constantly elevating each other's ideas mm-hmm. and like go- just going with it, mm-hmm. you know, like that felt very like improv. And it's based. Yeah, it's so funny too. Like thinking about, like you said, they're all on coke, so that's part. Of, they're, mm-hmm. They've all just done coke, so that's part of it. And part of it is what's going on with this movie, where it's like the more they believe their story, the more like real it becomes in the room and that's when you get all of the lighting design yeah the full band playing i'm excited to get into the thing that you really want to talk about it's i mean it's one of our two jersey connections okay because most of my notes on this movie are just about how much i hate the eating (laughs) like multiple times in my notes i wrote why so much eating in all caps because it's gross and it's when they're telling, just real quick, when they're telling the story about the the gross boss mm-hmm. and they keep describing his breath and she says it's because, uh, like, I know that's what's going on with, I know, with all the eating, it's right? Meta. Like, and it's visceral. And it's disgusting. And it's a gross thing they can do that isn't gore because this movie doesn't really no. have a lot of actual, any actual gore no. unless you count when he falls on the, even then you can barely blood. see it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm sensitive to gore and I was not weirded out by anything in this Mm -hmm. movie other than the fucking eating. 
<laughs> but it's funny that it does kind of the same thing for you. It like, was actually I'll probably bet your brain worse. lights up yeah. the same way as somebody who is like. I think I would have preferred like the level of gore in something like Scream than the so food funny. stuff. And I'm I know I'm not alone because I know other people that have the oh, same sensibility. Yeah, totally. Um, it also was effective for like for me, and I don't have misophonia mm-hmm. at all. Like I was still. And also, there's a similar, like you said, that peanut butter around the mouth Ooh. is like, was truly Horrible. horrific. Yeah. I kept like, 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 you know how some people like put their hand up in front of the screen when they're <laughs> yeah. like a really gory moment? I did that when she had that on I her face. It. It's, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, it, this is not connected to anything we were just talking about, but it's something that jumped out to me this time that I keep, um, that I keep thinking about is when he is by himself before fanny shows up and he keeps getting uh it seems to be text messages on his phone Mm -hmm. and we find out later it's meredith his Mm -hmm. ex we think um he every time he gets one he goes and he like punches the sofa cushion Mm -hmm. and i'm like you're just like oh his therapist taught him that's what he should be doing to control those emotions and then we find out later when he's doing the talking about himself in third person he says or no it's when we find out later when he starts telling her about the fact because she's looked at his phone and knows about the protection notice. Um, and he says, "But you know, now I've got to shrink and I hate my life. Mm-hmm. And it's like he even seeded that early on because, again, the punching the pillow thing is so something that oh, you yeah. know his shrink told him. Absolutely. Um, and so I, I just thought that was like a really clever like you get so much because, again, we don't know much about fanny at all we know way more about fred but it's because we've had these couple of little moments yeah with yeah fred by himself and also like it kind of goes back to the like we don't know at the time about the stalkery stuff mm-hmm. but some of the most sort of scary toxic men in my life have also had a habit of just punching shit right like putting their fists through walls and mm-hmm. like you know exhibiting acts of violence towards inanimate objects and you're totally. like that could that's a slippery slope also like right and so the punching the pillow is still an act of violence even though it's against a couch like well it's 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 a like he has been taught to do this because it is a slightly healthier way of handling the emotions that we learn are very like real and in him like totally oh i'm gonna say i have one more one more thing that i think is interesting and then i will show you um josh rubin shared uh just in august um a twitter thread uh as spooky season is approaching shut up it is because this was august (laughs) i thought it'd be fun to share the pitch deck for my first film scare me this is a document us filmmakers create to draw up interest from the money people to give us money to make our dreams come true (laughs) and i'll link to this because it is really interesting and i'm not going to read all of it but there are all of the like images and um that he used as like a kind of mood setting. Yeah. Um, the brief synopsis, Scare Me is a feature film that puts an imaginative spin on the horror genre, utilizing sound design, composition, and nuanced, darkly comedic performances to deliver serious scares and a message. Few combinations are more savage than a brilliant woman and a fragile man. Mm. Which mm-hmm. is exactly what we... Yep. And now keep in mind, this was after the script was written, but before the movie was made, like he said, so... Um, this is what he was envisioning for the movie got it and the thing that so so i think that's really interesting like i said i'll link to the whole thing because there's some more stuff in there Mm -hmm. um but 
one of the th- the thing that made me kind of yell out loud when before we started recording, Jody, that mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I can't wait to show you this. I'm going to be way more excited about this than you are. Yeah, I'll read you the caption. I'll read you the, the tweet and then I will tell you why I yelled. Okay. Then another full page image. I knew this movie was going to take place largely fireside. We were so far off from location scouting, but I dreamt of a cabin that had a comically large fireplace. Mm-hmm. One of the few images that encapsulated the vibe is this one from Garden State. Oh. Vibe. <laughs> and it's and it's the picture yep. of um Sam uh-huh. da- like dancing tap in front dancing the, in front of the fire yep, in the big empty that. house. So I love that Garden State That's funny. is literally in the pitch deck after I jokingly said this movie has a lot to say. That's actually really funny. I Isn't appreciate that, that. Yes. That made me so happy. Yeah. No, that is funny. I'm glad that I watched this movie. I think like halfway through, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. I feel bad that I'm going to have to talk about this with Andrea and I wasn't really into it. And But the once I finished it and I saw the way that he wrapped up the ending and and I thought about it more. I, I am glad that we watched it. And also I just I like Aya Cash. I liked You're the Worst. Yeah. I like her acting. I think that one thing that he was able to do with this movie that I found surprising was he made me not like her. Like mm-hmm. she he made he made her a little bit too much of an asshole for me to like. <laughs> but I think that was kind of the point. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not the like I think his character is a bad guy (laughs) to what degree we think he's bad is you know whatever yeah but he's also like it's not so much that it's like bad guy versus good woman no it's what he said it's fragile man Mm -hmm. versus brilliant woman yes and brilliant women can definitely be assholes mm -hmm. yeah as they should be allowed to be (laughs) that's right that's right yes um our jersey connections i have two i don't know if you have any i don't have any no um, first one is other than Tina says I'm from Jersey yeah. and I spent time in the Catskills. That's my connection. <laughs> there you go. You did it. I did. That's it. what I was going to say that you're from Jersey. Yeah. No, but Tina says, and I didn't realize I didn't make this connection that that this is what she was saying until I saw it with the captions on. She says for sure. Sure. <laughs> it's captioned S H O R E. She's saying it's Jersey like a play sure. on Jersey. Yeah. Sure. Oh, I got it. She's yeah, I got uh, it. It's not well. It's not because it's not for Shirzy S U R E S I E. Right, sure S U R E. Yeah. So that's, that's one. Cute. The other connection. <laughs> this is so. This is not. Is it a stretch? It is such a stretch, but I just am so excited to show you this and to play it for our listeners. Um, like I said, Josh Rubin uh, is really involved with Dropout TV. Mm-hmm. One of their shows is a show that I love. It's one of my favorite things on the planet. It's called Make Some Noise. It's a spinoff of one of their other shows. And it's um, it's a game show. It's styled as a game show okay. where they bring in three uh, improvisers and they give them prompts and then they have to fulfill the prompts, use, make some noise using their voices. Mm. And so he's in this episode. It's him and it's another um, improviser named Izzy Roland, who I also really like. And their prompt is Italian mobsters trying to out-order each other at dinner. Okay, fabulous. Italian mobsters try to out-order each other at (laughs) dinner. Hey, let me get a, let me get a, let me get a cough. I'm going to get a full super pesh. And I don't know if I I want, and I'm not just saying super pesh. I want the full Christmas Eve dinner. And I want it now. I want a table. (laughs) Covered in cream, <laughs> shoot it to death. I want my Nona 
here. Dump a flour on the floor. I want to take 500 egg yolks. I want to dip them on the floor, and I want to break them up with a shovel. Then I want to turn it into pasta. I want to make my nona, I want to wash my nona, turn it into pasta. I want to eat all that pasta. Sorry, you just want your, your, you want your nona I to want turn into nona. pasta? I want my nona. I want to eat, I want to dump all the flour on the floor. Okay. Egg yolk, make egg yolk. 500 egg yolk. I want Johnny Marble's tongue <laughs> on a dish. <laughs> Put it on a roller coaster, send it on Space Mountain, take its picture, turn it a ride, fry it up in a chicken fried steak, put it in my belly, don't want to chew it, don't want to eat it at all, cut it open, shove it inside. I want a trunk of a Cadillac filled with cottage cheese. I want a couple of cottage cheese and got for a gabagool. I want that gabagool get all stirred up by a witch's broom. I want that witch's broom to be not straw, but dry spaghetti. I want to shave this man's head. I want a football field size to cannoli. You up there before one of you has an aneurysm. Nice. Anyway, that's kind of like being from Jersey, you know? <laughs> yes. I so I understand that I'm sure the other person in that clip is a good improviser. Um, but his Italian accent in that is like perfect. <laughs> it's, <so good. laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect, but also Izzy, the way she says dish it's like comes like like from hell and then she swallows it and sends it back up i'll put it here again because it's like i think about it all the time right here it's so good they're both yeah his neck is like about to explode he's like what i mean a trunk full of cottage cheese is pretty good too (laughs) covered in gabagool yeah covered in gabagool Uh, football size the cannoli it's just it's so, but I think that if you think about that's the same person who made Scare Me, it's like mm-hmm. that kind of like freedom and energy channeled into a kind of horror movie. Like it's so, it's just very good. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I appreciate that, that energy. I'm going to start real quick by saying I had a, a little audio <laughs> hiccup Um so you're getting a kind of abrupt cut here, but I will say that um, we're going to let you folks in on the conversation Jody and I just had figuring out what movie we're going to watch next. Um, and that's what you're about to hear. Mm-hmm. There's also Blair Witch Project. Wait, you've never seen it? No. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, it's your turn to pick something I haven't seen, though. So I know, Blair, but I mean, I think we're kind of Jody, doing whatever now. Blair Witch Project is scary. I know. That's why I haven't seen it. Like you will be scared. I know. Huh. Blair Witch Project would be fun to talk about, though. Would it? Yeah. Do you know? I mean, how would I don't know if it would be or not because I haven't seen it. Uh, do you know? I mean, you know the way it was marketed and all though, right? Yeah. That it was like, yeah, real. I remember I I remember a lot about when it came out and why I didn't go see it. And how it's like one of the first, not really one of the first found footage movies, but like the first one to really explode and is like the start of that genre being huge. Wasn't it also referenced recently in one of the, when we talked about a movie 
Yes, we... but I don't. I don't remember why or what it was. Maybe it was, you know what it was? It was probably in an article about the craft in sort of an overview of oh, horror witchy the, things, maybe. Probably. And like horror at the time. and Yeah. Because it is kind yeah. of a witch movie, kind of. Right. Oh, man. And yeah. then because then we could talk about the like, there's a Dawson's Creek episode that is like absolutely <laughs> in conversation with that movie. Oh, gosh. Well, if we could talk about Dawson's Creek, then that, that's a given. Blair Witch Project is scary. I think it's still scary. I could be I could be up for Blair Witch only because oh. I think it has so much reference points for other things that I feel like I'm missing. It just and it feels like a Jersey movie to me. Yeah. I don't know why. Because well, because it could be you could also could do the Pine Barrens. Yeah, you could also do this movie where, like, a movie where they're hunting for the Jersey Devil in the Pine Barrens could be this movie. It could be the same mm-hmm. thing. And I'll bet. Oh, and in fact, I know that there is a movie that does that, actually. So, yeah. Poorly. Maybe we should do it. Jody. I know. I'm being brave. I know. I'm being brave. Like, is it gross, though, or is it just scary? Um,. It is just scary. There is something there is something so gross, but it is a kind of gross that I don't think that I think you will be fine with weirdly. That's all I'm going to say. It's not about eating. No. Oh no. <laughs> I don't like how you answered that. You're going to it's not about eating, but you're going to know why I said that when you see it and you're going to be like, "Okay. I think you'd be fine." But I will say the movie is scary. I know. I've watched scary movies. I just, you know, I haven't done it recently. It will be, uh, it is, it will be interesting to follow up Scare Me with another movie about a small cast of people being isolated in the woods. Yeah. Otherwise, I will be so interested to see what kind of conversations that movie connects to with other things we've talked about because it's been a really long time since I've seen it, but it is so different from anything else we've watched. Hmm. Yeah. I think the reason that I'm open to it is because I, I do think that it will connect to a lot of stuff that we've talked about in other ways. It's also mm-hmm. 1999. Mm-hmm. So it's like during a, the time period yeah. we've kind of extensively talked about, I'm kind of talking myself into it. We have to do something really happy after this though. Mm-hmm. For November. Yeah, we have to do something very cheerful. Okay. Are you committed? I'm committed. I'm being brave. You're being so brave. I am a brave, brave person. I'm going to be okay. And I wonder if this this Blair Witch Project... If I could handle the sheep last night. (laughs) I think if you could handle the sheep in real life last night, you could handle the Blair Witch Project in movie life. Yeah. But I need to explain what I just said real quick. Oh, was that not on mic? That's insane. Oh, I no, that was not on mic. That was before we started. Well, I was recording, but I don't think. Yeah, you were. Jody's dad um, was a sheep farmer, and she used to hear them being slaughtered at night. And then no. she's like struck up a recent friendship with the serial killer who is in prison, and he was asking oh, her last night if if the lambs are still yes. screaming. This is not Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> um, no, I am in the middle of. Uh, ranch country at the moment and uh, in between my studio and my living accommodations is a big field with a lot of sheep in it i walk through it during the day with no problem they sheep stare at you but that's okay they move out of your way um 
I am from Bergen County. I haven't had a lot of experience with sheep. Um, but last night walking back from our bonfire, I was by myself walking through the field. I turned my head, my headlamp illuminated about a hundred tiny little yellow <laughs> eyes staring at me from the field because all the sheep were sleeping and I woke them up and they all stared at me with their beady eyes and it scared the shit out of me. The illuminated eyes is scary independent of when you figure out that they're sheep, but then it's still scary to me. They're so quiet It's still quiet scary to me too because that's stoic. the thing about these sheep. Yes. I don't know if it's all sheep. I haven't, like I said, I haven't had a lot of experience with sheep, but these sheep just as you walk through the field, will all lift their heads and stare unmoving at you as you walk by. So frightening. As a group. It's the group part, too. Yeah. It's not just one sheep. It's like a hundred sheep. Unsettling. Would you rather hold a sheep or a cockroach? Definitely a sheep. They're soft. <laughs> yeah. And they make wool. They do. And I, oh, I, make, yeah. and I, I knit. So I'm a fan of sheep. I just didn't realize how unsettling they could be. In you person. Should, I feel like you should go shear one and make something. <laughs> they belong to somebody. I Who's can't just go shear someone's just sheep. one sheep. <laughs> They're marked. I don't think I could do that. Uh, I did you. visit a wool mill, though. Ooh. A wool processing mill. It was very cool. It does sound cool. Yeah. They process local local wool from, the, from Wyoming. That's really interesting. It's very neat. So, okay. We're going to watch something very happy after this. Yeah. And, and and not scary in November. I wonder, I'm interested to hear from our listeners about Blair Witch Project. It's a movie that I think most people our general age have seen, unless Definitely. you're somebody who is really horror averse. Yeah. But I don't know if that's still the case. Right. It's one of those movies that has stayed in um I mean in, it's in referenced a lot in the in horror movies but right. I don't know if it's something that other like more recent generations would have seen yeah so if you're one of our younger listeners uh let us know if you've seen this movie before if you are going to watch it um or if if you've never watched it it is one of the first found footage movies um the story of its marketing is so cool and so interesting and I can't wait to talk about that next week yeah um it it's not a movie I count in my favorites necessarily, mm-hmm. though it might just be because I haven't watched it a bunch because I do think it is really scary. So it's not what I seek out for fun. So I'm being um, really brave. Yeah. Like Scare Me is a comfort movie for me that I will just throw on. I've seen this yeah. movie a bunch and it's only three years old. Um, Blair Witch Project is not, though I love found footage. I love found footage movies. Yeah. I'm interested to talk about that too, because I definitely, there was a whole found footage movement for that kind of came after this. Well, um, and it is so, oh man, I'm already ready to talk about this movie, but it's so that there's something about growing up in Jersey where it's like w- the experiences we had as like it being just part of our DNA to explore abandoned places mm-hmm. and to travel. Maybe like, that's to, why I feel like this is a Jersey movie. Yeah. And to venture into the woods to scare yourself. We were always yeah. imagining we might have an experience like this Absolutely. or like so many of the other found footage movies that followed. Yeah. No, I think that's why I feel like this is a mm-hmm. Jersey thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because when I was in college, I in this time period, I was breaking into abandoned mental hospitals. Right. Um this is available on Amazon Prime. Um, it's one ninety nine on Vudu. It's one ninety nine on Apple TV. It's pretty cheap and available. Um, it's also available with a bunch of different pres- uh, prescriptions, <laughs> subscriptions. It's, it's available with your anxiety medication. Um, <laughs> Take your anxiety meds before you watch this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's around. It's findable. 
It's going to be super fun to talk about this one. I'm excited. I mean, I feel like I'm just going to talk about like Jersey the whole time and just like breaking into shit and hanging out in the woods. Maybe. But maybe we'll also talk about the movie. I'm pumped. It's going to be fun. Ooh, and you know what? It's not long. It's only an hour and 20 minutes. Oh, you know, I love an hour and 20. Oh, it's great. I love a short movie. Yep. Okay. And then uh, for folks who aren't super into horror, though, you did find us because I most of yellow jackets because of yellow jackets. So that's yeah. I love that. My whole thing this month is I really don't like horror movies and we recap yellow jackets. Yeah. Which which is a show about cannibalism. Yeah. I think when Josh Rubin was on, we did talk a little bit about how Josh uh, Josh Gondelman. I think when Josh Gondelman was on, I only um, watch content made by people named Josh. Josh so it's yeah. very confusing for me. Yeah. Um, when Josh Gondelman was on, we talked about how neither of you are big horror fans, but Yellow Jackets kind of like transcends that. Yeah. So yeah. this is interesting. It's an interesting month. It is. Next month, we're only watching Thanksgiving themed movies. So <laughs> just everybody get ready for that. Just it's a great pumpkin, Charlie. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's Halloween. Halloween. So what the Thanksgiving one. It's just a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. That's why. That's that's what it's called. Yeah. We're just going to watch that every week and talk about it. Perfect. Yeah. Four weeks in a row. Yeah. I guess this is the end of our podcast. (laughs) Thank you for watching uh, Scare Me With Me, Jody. I was happy to. Thank you for sharing it with me. I... Those are the kind of horror movies, horror movies in quotes, but also horror movies that I can kind of handle. So we'll Mm -hmm. see how I do next week. But um, no, I enjoyed it. Especially like... Because of the casting and all of that, I thought it was, like, people I already like. Yeah, if, if you liked this movie, go watch Werewolves Within. Again, it's Josh Rubin directed it, um, but it is Werewolves Have Guns Get Re- It's not Werewolves Have Guns Get Revenge, um, but it is a werewolf movie. It's really fun. It's really great. The cast is fantastic. I really, really like that movie a lot. Nice. Um, he's done other stuff, too. He, he started a movie called Wounded Fawn recently hmm. um, that is that got great reviews i haven't seen it um but i will at some point i'm just slow to pick up (laughs) on new stuff even with people i love like josh rubin i know i keep telling you to watch things and you're like yeah i need to watch that the only movies i watch are the ones we assign ourselves for homework at this point it's terrible the only reason i watched yellow jackets is because you made me like it's anyway where can they find us (laughs) (laughs) have fun editing all that oh my god um they can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WatchersPodNJ. Mm-hmm. Um, they should come to our Instagram and leave comments and engage with our uh, clips that you make for us that are hilarious. <laughs> fully unhinged. Yes, this which most, is the best part. The last one was one is hilarious. I loved insane. it. I loved it. If you if you haven't been to our Instagram and you're like not an Instagram person, just go watch the last clip. It's just really funny. I've had more than one person in my real life ask me, why is that rat so horny to be stepped on? Those words, more than one person. About <laughs> so that now clip. that doesn't make you want to go watch it. I don't know what will. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Jody underscore Mim, J-O-D-I-E underscore M-I-M. I'm at A-Q Andrea Q everywhere. I... Um, also work on a million other podcasts that you can Mm -hmm. find out about there. Yes. And I guess that's it. We will, oh, we can say it. We'll see you in the woods. See you in the woods. See you in the woods.